Hey, welcome to the Comic Syllabus Podcast, where we read widely and dig deep in the worlds of comics and graphic novels. I'm Paul, I'm your host, and um, this music is brought to you by co-host Kid, my daughter, uh, who is not with us today, but um, has been joining us the previous few weeks. Thank you so much. If you've gotten here via multiversitycomics.com, great to see you uh, or hear you or you hear me. Uh, Multiversity is a great website for comics news, reviews, interviews, um, poo-poos. You, you, you want comic stuff, that's where you can get it. So <laughs> thank you for joining us from there. You may also be joining us because you have subscribed. Maybe you're even a paid supporter to the Comic Syllabus podcast at comicsyllabus.substack.com where I regularly write reviews of, of comics on Substack as well as other things um, about comics in the classroom and so on. Um, and you're here maybe because you are a subscriber to the podcast via uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever's out there. Um, however you've arrived here, I'm so glad that you've come. Um, you know, there's a survey that's linked right at the top of the show notes, and it would help me so much for you to take it. Um, the reason why is because with these various means by which you might be finding the podcast, I actually don't have a very strong sense of of the audience out there. Some of you who've t- taken the steps to reach out to me, first of all, thank you. If you've written to me through email or social media and I haven't responded, please accept my apologies. I actually read and keep track of everything that's sent. And sometimes there's a few um, unresponded to messages on my part. And sometimes it's because I'm really kind of mustering up the, you know, the energy to write um, just how really how grateful I am to hear from you. And I just haven't yet, honestly. Um, and then the deadline comes for doing this podcast. And I think of you out there and I go, oh, man, I got to get, get, get back to that message. Um, I am a teacher. Uh, I teach um, middle school and I teach future teachers at the university level, at the credentialing level. And I'm a comics aficionado. I'm really interested in the ways that comics fit spaces in our culture that um, I think are really important. Um, not always laudable, <laughs> but but um, worth paying attention to. Um, as I have been thinking a, a good bit about um, this week um, and Happy Thanksgiving, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, um, it's been that week. It's also, I turned 41, so getting on in those years. Um, but it was the week Hawkeye came out, and we had a lot of fun as a family watching that that Disney plus a Marvel Studios show. But it did have me thinking a whole lot more about um, the role of superhero comics and 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 comic characters and comics culture. And so I may touch on that as we go here in this episode. So in this episode, what I want to do is is uh, not we're not really going to um, dig deep, as our mantra, our tagline says, into any one thing so much as provide a bit of what I've been reading and paying attention to in a whole bunch of different sectors, a whole bunch of different areas. And those sectors, those areas, represent the various segments that I've thought about this podcast having. And that survey that I have linked in the show notes that I mentioned before that I would love for you to take is my way of getting a better gauge because I'm here, I do this for y'all. I do this because I really encourage um, and and love the dialogue. Um, I I love obviously (laughs) sharing my experiences and being heard, but actually more than that, I love hearing back. Um, This is my comics community. And I just unfortunately don't 
um, always know whether I'm meeting the the needs or the hopes or the desires of y'all out there. Maybe what you'd say to me is, Paul, I just love the fact that you read widely. I like the fact that you surprise me. I like the fact that I come, you know, I listen occasionally because you're talking about something I care about, but then you mention something I don't. Um, that That's great. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. I, I can't change my stripes. I will read widely and I will talk about it. But what does it mean for me to dig deep and how can I dig deep in a way that really means that the effort is worth what my audience is listen, is looking for? That's really what I hope that survey can help inform me about. Because, you know, I see stats. My Substack gives me stats. Um, my uh, pod podcast, um, uh, you know, platform gives me stats. But I don't know if those are aggregators or bots or I, I don't know. So I want to hear from you. So um Please fill out that survey. I'd love to hear from, uh, you know, to, from many of you and, and help shape the direction in the future of Comic Syllabus. Okay, like I said, uh, after the, the music drop, let's hear about things I'm reading and the kinds of segments I want to do here at the Comic Syllabus. Here we go. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, let's start with the polybag segment. Um, maybe you're here because every week you like to, to, um, know about the comics that are out in shelves and that a reader of, uh, tastes like mine, um, has been interested in following. And, uh, so I live to serve. Um, that's really what it's about. Um, I, there is a, a, a site and I don't know if it's uh, benevolent or malevolent. <laughs> I think it's probably neither. I think it's probably just a business trying to make some make some money. But it's called League of Comic Geeks, and it it uh, it just does a pretty good job of gathering every week what comics are out. Um, and you know, you can add things to your own poll list. You can rate. You can you know mark down, chronicle, and log when you've uh, got it in your collection. You know, you can give it five stars. You can search things by creators, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it's just kind of a useful inventorying resource and so i bought in i created an account and um what do you you call it you know became a a patron or whatever and that allows me to kind of just tick off like okay these are the things that are on my pull list at cape and kyle comics or you know that i'm picking up at shops or i got a subscription and and uh here's what i'm reading and so it's it's been a helpful tool i don't know if you've used it or checked it out you don't have to be a patron or a subscriber to use to use it um although it kind of unlocks functionality as these things are, but um, helps me to see every week what I'm reading and what I'm pulling and what's what's what I'm liking, you know. Um, and so I've talked about some of those things, but some things I haven't talked about is that this past week, November twenty fourth, Wednesday, um, a few things come out that are are, are just worth noting. Uh, for me, one of them is Decorum number eight. This is the last issue of the um, pretty large scale epic. Um, sci-fi story that Jonathan Hickman has written. Um, uh, uh, Mike Huddleston has been providing stunning, super cool art for and um, and has been uh, designed by Sasha Head. And um, I'm going to find the full, complete um, uh, uh, creator team uh, for Decorum number eight. Um, part of the reason it's hard to find is I think that the publication date may have been moved. And, sh- and man, is hasn't... Uh, Hasn't comics shipment been tough? And part of me 
the consumer in me is a little impatient. And then part of me goes, yeah, you know what? It's tough times and there's more important things than to get worked up about your comic books. So every all be kind to your retailers and distributors. Um, it's, it's not worth it. Um, uh, it's worth it to be kind to them. It's not worth it to, to get in a, a tizzy about it. Anyway, decorum number eight came out. Um, and this wraps up this long and weird and vaguely touching in a sci-fi way on colonialism and, and, you know, um, power and chaos or something, um, story. And, and I'm excited to get it because I, honestly, I, it's hard for me to read a Jonathan Hickman book without uh, taking it all in at once. So I've probably read and reread um, the first, you know, three or four issues of Decorum, you know, I don't know, four times. Um, but I'm kind of excited to sit through a full reread of all those issues. Um, so Decorum 8 is out from Image Comics. Um, by the way, Hickman and Huddleston, um, now that they're sort of got this in press and, 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 and at the printers, um, Hickman, I think his last X book has been uh, sent off to the presses is is now turning more uh, they're now turning more of their attention to um, the three moons three worlds work on Substack which um, if you haven't jumped aboard but you were tempted teased by that might be a good time now I think we're gonna we're starting to see more actual comics as well as some of the world building process and um, and think it's getting exciting so check that out um, also out in comic book shops was May's book number three. May's book is the um, Jeff Lemire uh, Dark Horse series that's written and drawn by Lemire and has the the kind of, um, you know, the kind of a sort of really depressingly sad sense of loss that are characteristic of so many Jeff Lemire books. Um, May's book, I'm trying to find, actually came out a couple of weeks ago on November 10th. And then Primordial number three um, uh, came out uh, last week on the 17th. Um, speaking of Lemire, Robin and Batman from Dustin Nguyen and Jeff Lemire and The Unbelievable Unteens number four um, by Jeff Lemire and Tyler Crook. Those all came out in, in on two weeks ago. It, there's just a endless font of Lemire. Um, not to mention fish flies, which I'll talk about later, uh, which is from Jeff Lemire's Substack. So, um, man, that, that guy writes a lot. Um, but I've, uh, I've just found May's book to be continually, um, heart crushing as this father who, uh, sort of has lost his daughter and, and he is, um, you know, I don't know what he is, a structural engineer, civil engineer, um, uh, safety check checker, um, it, you know, uh, sort of keeps trying to, um, obsessively and, and, and perhaps, um, you know, bro broken from reality, imagining the city to be a maze and his daughter calling out to him from the center of that maze. Um, that story is just got all of the, 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 like, uh, t twinge in your heart that Lemire likes to play with, um, and love it or hate it, it's got me. So, um, so May's book number three was a, a a significant read for me from Dark Horse by uh, by Jeff Lemire, written and drawn. Um, that that is actually from two weeks ago. Um, and then uh, I've I've uh, been enjoying reading What's the Furthest Place from Here, which also came out November tenth, uh, two weeks ago, um, which is from um, 
the creators of Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which a few years ago was one of my favorite comics. Tyler Boss, artist, and Matt Rosenberg, um, writer. Um, so I enjoyed that first issue. I'm, I'm kind of going to keep that on my poll and, and interested in talking about it further. Um, and then there's just things that I'm also reading from um, Marvel and DC. And if you are um, you know, listening to this podcast and you are a regular reader of Marvel and DC, um, I think what I want to do is really go back to what I was doing before and cover Marvel Comics and DC Comics three months and six months late, respectively, as well as talking about the latest um, digital releases. I do this both because I think there is a uh, maybe an economic imperative for me to try to save some money and pull fewer <laughs> new comics, and so I want to save those for the kind of creator supporting the creator-owned books. Um, and oh, my house could use less comics sitting around, <laughs> and so I want to go back to reading most of my Marvel and DC comics on Comicsology Unlimited. Oh, sorry, uh, on Marvel Unlimited or. DC Universe Infinite, um, or maybe Comicsology Unlimited. <laughs> Sometimes they, they put the trades in there, and it's a little bit easier to read that way. Um, and 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 basically keep up the segment that I call the Infinite Unlimited. So let's segue into that. Pew pew pew! Infinite Unlimited. <laughs> the Infinite Unlimited is where we take a look at the comics that are um, either new. Newly arrived on the the comics uh, Comicsology or Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe Infinite platforms, or uh, we talk about some old runs that are featured there, um, because hey, there's a new movie out, or hey, there's a new Marvel TV show, um, uh, Disney Plus TV show out, or hey, there's this new event, um, time to catch up on it. So um, on Infinite Unlimited this week, Kang number one is 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 there. And, uh, you know, sometimes when I talk about these Marvel Unlimited or DC Universe Infinite series and, uh, you know, I'll try to spotlight them without spoiling them. And I just want to be a place where if that's how you read um, Marvel and DC, then, hey, here's a place where you can be three months or six months behind the rest of the world with me. Um, so I, even even though I may be reading ahead on some of those things, and I have read ahead enough on Kang to tell you that um, I think it's a I think it's a pretty great series. Um, I will not spoil from my my you know uh, tr- time traveling trips to the future of two months ago <laughs> or one month ago what happens later on in Kang number two and number three and so on um but Kang number one is there on Marvel Unlimited um very fun very fun and worth um worth checking out basically in this first image issue um Nathaniel Richards who is of course um descendant of the Richards line and turns out to be um Kang the Conqueror a young Nathaniel Richards encounters an old, crotchety Kang. Um, leave it to Kang to be mentored by Kang, who <laughs> really puts him through young Kang through the ringer um, to really um, press him into becoming the conquering and ambitious um, Kang who he is destined, question mark, to become. So there's a lot of not only playing with time, but also questions of identity and destiny. Kang number one. Uh, from Marvel Unlimited. Um, that is uh, a fun one to read. I'd love for you to join me in reading that one. 
that book, by the way, is written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly with um, pencils by Carlos Magno, um, Mike Del Mundo cover art. Um, if you heard a little pause there, I had to look up the list of the creators for that one. Um, and also on Marvel Unlimited, two books in the X-Men world in the Krakoa era. One of them is Way of X number five, um, written by Cy Spurrier and penciled by Bob Quinn, Bob Q, um, with cover by Giuseppe Camicoli. And um, the the Way of X has been uh, one of the, you know, it's all end of some end of the year lists for the bests and the worsts of the um, Krakoa X-Men books. And Way of X is ranked pretty high up there for a lot of people. Um, and so I am slowly catching up on Way of X and uh, I'm reading that. I think that's a fun one to read. Check out Way of X number five. I think it's a good spot to play catch up if Marvel Unlimited is a way for you to read um, chunks of issues at a time. I think it's a good good, good time to, to touch base with Way of X number five. And then um, X-Men Trial of Magneto number one, uh, written by Leah Williams and drawn by Lucas Warneck and Valero um, Shiti and um, cover by Shiti. And I think that these, um, this whole continuation of, of what Leah Williams was, was writing in, um, in some of those X books and Magneto, um, being on trial now for murder, um, it's, uh, it's an intriguing turn and, and, and a pivot point in the direction, obviously that and, and Inferno of, um, the Krakoa X books. And I think it is kind of a turn toward post Hickman era. And I'm interested in seeing how these books turn out um, at, at, in this time as uh, folks like Jerry Diggin continue to kind of carry that mantle. So check those out on Marvel Unlimited. Um, should I dig deep into those? No, not today. <laughs> and uh, in, on DC Universe Infinite, a um, few other things are out this week that I think are, are fun. I have loved the fact that we're getting kind of day and date um, digital release of the new um, uh, uh, milestone titles. Um, even though I still had all those on my pull list as well and was picking them up um, hard copies, I, I think it's so cool to reread, relive all oh, those precious 90s milestone comics. So precious to me. The Blood Syndicate is, uh, it continues to, they, you know, continue to come out there at around issue 18 of the 1990s series and Blood Syndicate coming back next year. So cool. Um, and, uh, hardware and, and all those titles. Well, Icon and Rocket, the new, um, rendition, the new version, um, is out digital, um, same, same day release, um, on DC Universe Infinite, as well as, um, here are some things worth checking out. Uh, Nightwing, if you have not uh, caught up with the new Tom Taylor and mostly Bruno Redondo Nightwing, uh, issue 80 is now out at DC Universe Infinite. And that's a good one uh, to, to, to catch up on because it gives you a, few, a couple of issues into the run where you can really get a vibe of what, uh, what's made that, that title one that has been a favorite uh, for many people throughout the year. And Wonder Girl number one is also debuting. Joelle Jones, um, uh, you know, I think issue four only is out um, now. So even though this was six months ago, I think those have been slightly delayed. But the Yara Floor um, story that is uh, that is brought to us by Joelle Jones is uh, so cool. And, um, you know, I think that the story is 
I guess it's, I, I think it's been written in a way that maybe doesn't feel tight, but continues to have a lot of really great energy to it, four issues in, and uh, and think worth checking out. You know, the, the Joel Jones art is, as always, pretty stunning. So those are some things that are on DCUI and MU. Um, the Infinite Unlimited is where I just would love to be reading in those superhero uh, comic book universes along with you if that's uh, if that's what you want me to do here at the comic syllabus. So let me take a pause, and then I'll come back, talk about um, Substack, uh, particularly Fish Flies Book 1, uh, some stuff that is um, year-in-review things, because uh, sometimes we just talk generally what's happening around the industry. Um, I will talk about the archival revival projects that I hope to do. And then we'll talk about Grass of Parnassus by Catherine and Stuart Eminem from Ad House. All right, be right back. Okay. Um, Substack. <laughs> so if you listen to this podcast because you subscribe from um, your podcast um, app or hosting thing, whatever, uh, or if you find us on multiversitycomics.com, I just want to invite you to come check us out at comicsyllabus.substack.com and um, where you find that I write some stuff and, uh, and you're invited to be a free email subscriber and most things are available to all subscribers. But if you become a paid supporter, one, you help to make this podcast possible. And two, you can uh, get a little bit more when a little bit more starts coming out for subscribers only. Um, one of the things that I will do, I do on, at the Substack is I talk about Substack comics. Um, and the whole Substack um, venture into comics has been an interesting experiment. Um, it's interesting because, um, well, initially there have not been a ton of comics. Um, different creators have used the platform differently. Um, some comics have come out. And I definitely have to shout out that uh, Molly Knox, uh, Ostertag, uh, Andy Stevenson, uh, um, Jeff Lemire, Chip Zdarsky um, have really been on it as far as releasing comics regularly. Um, Zdarsky is releasing Captara continuation with Kagan McLeod, as well as um, Public Domain, uh, sort of a written and drawn by Chip Zdarsky joint. And meanwhile, Jeff Lemire has been um, releasing Fish Flies. Um, and then Andy Stevenson and Molly Knox Ostertag have been releasing, um, for Stevenson, very personal projects uh, re- regarding uh, his transition um, as, uh, you know, a- as a, uh, a trans male. Um, I-, I hope I have that correct. And um, uh, Molly Knox Ostertag um, with... Um, a beautiful new graphic novel sort of webcomic um, fusion thing that uh, that's called um, uh, Darkest Night. Yes. Um, and, you know, all, all this work has been deeply personal and, and um, very like, you know, you can tell that they are, they are sort of passion projects that are close to the creators' hearts. Um, others have been also just very, very productive on there. Um, I should say that um, uh, James Tiny and the Fourth has also been releasing comics pretty regularly with Michael Avon Oming, 
Um, and you may, you know, if you are not a um, sort of a web comics format fan, there may be something somewhat frustrating about the um, the the format um, because getting once a week, a few pages at a time. Um, sometimes those pages not even yet in kind of a finished form, which if you're a, a fan of Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman, their Kids Love Chain Substack has been just so, 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 so productive. Tons of podcast episodes and interviews and like giveaways and events and lots and lots of, of cool, fun things. Um, but the comics that they've been releasing on there, um, Vanish for one, have also been just sort of coming out really in the kind of schedule that you would expect if you've been around, you know, creator-owned comics for a while, um, where, you know, sometimes it's on schedule, um, sometimes less so, <laughs> but it is coming out in pieces. And uh, But you get to peer behind the process a whole lot. And so some of the sub stacks that I've really enjoyed, even though we haven't yet seen a ton of, you know, full pages or, or um, you know, whatever, PDFs of comics, um, quite yet. Um, it's been really enjoyable to see the process or to hear about things upcoming. I've uh, been a big fan of Kelly Thompson and the work that she's posted and she's preparing to post for subscribers um, with different um, creative you know, artist partners as well as Sophie Campbell's work. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, maybe you're not going to Substack expecting to get comics. Uh, for instance, if you're a subscriber to Scott Snyder's podcast, it's a it's more of a sort of a writing class, um, mega online, you know, um, open classroom. Uh, and that's pretty fun and, and pretty cool. Um, Molly Ostertag also did a whole lot of great educational, like learn how to make graphic novel stuff on in the telling. And, um, and, and you know, Scotty Young, um, for, for his part, has not so much promised comics, but released, uh, you know, a lot of sketchbooks and, and art process pieces and things like that. And some of the the substacks are more there for that. Um, Saladin Ahmed uh, was uh, was kind of silent for a while, but then dropped a uh, you know a, a set of pages from a surprise series, um, and is is sort of talking about promising more to come. Um, and so you know it's been it's been uh, interesting to watch the uh, Substack comics kind of progression. Uh, maybe most interesting and most representative is uh, one of the splashier um, signings that that Substack made, which is with uh, the aforementioned Hickman, Huddleston, and uh, Mike Del Mundo. And the Three Worlds, Three Moons world building project, which has included contributions from, you know, Ram V and, and Teeny Howard and others, is is still very much a startup process. Um, we're getting dashes of pages here or little bits of art there, but really not a ton of comics, but a lot of like events, a lot of here's what we're doing to build up to, um, <laughs> build up to the event, to the, to the, you know, the world building that's involved in these three worlds, three moons. And so getting to see how they're incorporating influences and how they're, you know, sketching and designing, um, you know, the economies of these, these planets and, and, you know, religion, all kinds of things. And, and uh, I've been sort of joined in for a live Dune watching event, you know, where we sort of, uh, you know, in the in the comments section uh, interacted a bit, just just to really see what this is, to truly really try to um, get behind the scenes a little bit and take advantage of what these creators are really offering. Um, on one hand, you can say, ah, I'm supporting it, 
but I'm not getting a lot of comics. I kind of was hoping for comics. That's been sometimes my snootier attitude about it. But other ways, uh, you can really see that you're sort of being invited to or becoming a patron and participant in a different way um, in, in being able to view the creation process. And um, from that vantage point, I think it's been um, a lot of fun. It also does make me think regularly about my desire to be involved in creative work myself and feeling that like yearning, like, oh, man, it, it's fun to watch these people make stuff. But I, I, I keep wanting to tell them, you know, telling myself I want to write that novel for for, you know, young adult kids and stuff like that. It's, it's always a, a, a lingering thing. And maybe that's that's true for you as well. Um, but that's been Substack. And I think the thing that I'm going to check in on and. Uh, if you subscribe tomorrow, you'll see a longer piece from me, is um, is rather than always sort of just keeping tabs on bits and pieces that come out from various uh, substacks is at, a, at good stopping points or collecting points, I might just really delve deep into reviews of things that are out there. And and that if you're not a subscriber to those substacks, you may not um, see, but maybe it'll give you a chance to consider whether it's worth becoming a subscriber. So uh, as, as I mentioned before, Jeff Lemire has been really one of the most consistent um, contributors, writers um, on his Substack, and and he's been sort of releasing things, as he says, from the vault of like years, years back, some of his memories and reflections, his long sort of like journal pieces and, and bits of autobiography, which is really fun to read if you're a fan of his work, as well as like, you know, exclusives and, and information, a chance to buy this variant cover or this announcement about that book. Um, but also, you know, uh, on a, on a biweekly basis, he's been, uh, releasing chapters weekly. Is it actually, maybe it's been weekly, uh, every Friday or so <laughs> he's been releasing chapters of a, of a book called fish flies, which at first, when I was reading it seemed a little bit like Essex County, very kind of a couple of kids in a town, um, you know, acting like kids, but has turned out to be very much, uh, Jeff Lemire's. Um, you know, dabbling at uh, a crime story. Um, and for all of the genre expansiveness and flexibility that Lemire has shown, he hasn't really done a, a crime uh, book per se. And I think this is his sort of his shot at that, but very much through a Jeff Lemire kind of voice and lens and in a Essex County-like, you know, um, environment. So that that's Fish Flies. I'm going to write more about that on the um on the comic syllabus Substack, so check that out to to hear more about my thoughts about fish flies. Um, probably going out tomorrow night. All right, um, that's been the Substack, as I call it, the Sunday Substack Comics Rack is when I review uh, what's going on in Substack Comics um, from from my little beat, my little vantage point over there as a newsletter recipient. Um, all right. Now, another thing that I've wanted to do in the comic syllabus is something that I call the archival revival. And that is because there's a side of me as a reader and as a fan that just really, um, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't like the term collector, but if I'm honest with myself, that's what I am. <laughs> I think many of us are. I tend to, um, I, you know, I hate the process of begging and boarding. <laughs> I spend in... in an amount of time that I don't enjoy um, organizing and sorting and managing um, this hobby, <laughs> this this reading material. I wish it would just, you know, and, and it's the, the, the funny thing, the irony is I'm actually very, very apt and up 
up up for re- being a digital comics reader and wow boom like it's all organized for you up there it's all just you know tap and download from the cloud and yet a side of me that for commercial reasons wants to support creators and a side of me that honestly just enjoys maybe it's nostalgic the the holding of the of the you know of the issue or the the trade paperback or the you know especially these large um you know um art art artist editions oh man they're so good they're so nice <laughs> I, I i you know i think that they are a way for me because i i think i'll invest in one of those things because the thing that i'm holding has some sort of you know um, memory or um is, is a material artifact of a set of experiences or a, a reading experience that um is meaningful to me um is it worth what i spend questionable <laughs> is it um is it how i you know sort of process or in some ways as i've learned more recently from friend greg Matasevich and thanks to herring and robinson book bindery <laughs> local you're in the bay area um is it a way for me to to really kind of assemble and collect this hobby that i attach to seasons of my life and and periods of being a reader and trying to trying to you know find either an escape or a connection in my reading yes yes yes, it indeed indeed is you know so it's a it's a version of sort of scrapbooking you know it's like scrapbooking for the the cultural materials and products that i've been reading and uh and so i would love to make spaces to talk on this podcast for those who are interested um about those processes or when i get a new um you know uh, deluxe edition or omnibus or artisan or or artifact uh edition or artist edition to talk about those or um the the comics that i've had bound um that i'm rereading or reliving a few things that i've been looking at in that last that latter respect has been um because of the hawkeye show i dug out a few things i have um the sort of big hardcovers of the hawkeye run from fraction and david aha and annie Wu, um and i have those with um some sort of put together with some signed copies of the books that i've gotten picked up throughout the years uh, one of them um, i brought out specifically both because of the show um, and because um we are reaching the end of the year at multiversitycomics.com, which means that we do our year in review pieces where um, the multiversity staff kind of weighs in on the best writers and the artists and, and you know, favorite graphic novels, best continuing series, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like our year end awards. Um, and, um, and at the same time, uh, we also do at the end of the year our in memoriam for folks that we lost from the industry or from, you know, the adjacent TV movies and stuff like that. Um, and so I, I, I asked for an opportunity to write about Jesse Ham, who um, the comics world lost this last year. And one of the things that I have from Jesse Ham is that I bought um, from him <laughs> a copy of Hawkeye number seven. Um, and this was one where Fraction wrote uh, and, uh, and actually, um, uh, David Aha was sort of, I think it was a break, um, sort of a between arcs issue, and it was um, drawn by Lieber, uh, Steve Lieber, and Jesse Ham, 
and uh, and so I have it. It's got you know Ham's signature as well as a Lieber signature and a Fraction signature and a little Lieber sketch of uh, of Clint, <laughs> which is kind of fun, wearing a Mash T-shirt. Um, and I picked this up a, 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 a you know obviously it's like 2013 or something like that. Um, and it it just made me think about um, Jesse Ham and what. Ham knew about comics and about making comics. Um, I, I think in many ways he was as active, if not more active, as a as a sort of you know um, as a kind of public teacher about you know Alex Toth and about what what made comics art great, um, what it has to do and what it doesn't have to do, um, and uh, and you know you can see that in the art that accompanies Hawkeye. Um, kind of um, beautiful minimalism, a kind of effective cool that um, I just really, you know, really love about that comic. Um, it's in Annie Wu's art. It's in David Aha's art, certainly in Steve Lieber. Um, anyway, pulling that out, I pulled out all my old, you know, my 12 versions of this, you know, masterpiece of a, of a run. I have single issues, some of them signed like this one. I have, um, you know, the the deluxe hardcovers, um, and now there's a, uh, you know, I think a recently republished um, one volume omnibus of that Hawkeye run. It's really fun to read. You know, you can always, of course, just uh, pop open Comicsology. Jeez, I keep saying that. Marvel Unlimited to read it, um, but it's really nice holding it and really nice seeing it on paper. Um, anyway reading that and looking at the Steve Lieber sketch that I have on this little card here reminded me that I also have um, a couple of Lieber comics that I've really liked. And it made me realize I don't ever think about Steve Lieber as an artist who is, you know, high in my rankings, my my pyramid of comics art greats. But I really like Steve Lieber. I really like the effectiveness of his, you know, his, his acting. Um, I really love the humor. I really love the cleanness. I really love, um, the focus on the storytelling. And the real test of that to me is how much humor gets conveyed. Um, it's really hard to do humor in comics. And so I have a, a few binds, um, again, shout out to Greg Matasevich, um, at Multiversity, who has, uh, shown me the way taught me the way of binding single issue comics via a book bindery and uh i don't have um i don't tend to select end pages as fancy as as greg's but uh i have a few volumes of stuff that i really loved one of them is nick spencer and steve lieber's um i kind of took the superior foes of spider-man which i gotta tell you i there are a few comics that have made me laugh out loud um, that is one of them <laughs> several times throughout that run. But I took um, uh, the Spencer and Lieber Superior Foes of Spider-Man as well as their um, run of The Fix, which I also collected. And I had them bound in this um, great bound volume. And uh, never would Marvel and Image meet together, even though the hands of this pair of creators um, should tell some pretty different stories, but both with a great note of um, great humor. So I dug that out of my collection to, to reread and enjoy, realizing that what I really love about the Hawkeye show is the bit of levity <laughs> and the bit of, um, you know, addressing the sort of silliness of our, um, our self 
concerned masculinity with a good dose of, of humor. Um, and so um, also I have uh, Fraction and Lieber's Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen uh, run from last year collected in a, in a bind together with a couple of the Wonder Comics um, uh, series, the Dial H for Hero, as well as the Wonder Twins comics. Um, and it's just fun to have those uh, to, to kind of bring some levity in this season, which I surely need. So I would love to uh, dig deep and dive more into those. Is that what you want? <laughs> Tell me what would please you, oh listener. Um, Archival Revival is where I, I'd want to hear about things that you have collected and, and, and pulled together and things that I have as well. And, uh, and that's the space for that. Um, maybe that can live longer or maybe that's just a short segment that you can fast forward through if that's not your preference here at the comic syllabus. All right, finally, we will talk a little bit about those aforementioned year in review things. Um, I'll talk about, um, uh, comics in the classroom and then we will talk about grass and parnassus after this last week all right that's pretty catchy right i mean i like this i like those tunes thanks co-host kid just also want to mention right now that um multiversity comics has a great network of podcasts um dc3 cast which is uh, so much fun um robots from tomorrow which is on a bit of a break a bit of a hiatus during uh the, the holiday season but um definitely check them out um make mind multiversity um the manga club all kinds of good stuff um and those folks at multiversity also like i said before do a great set of urine review pieces where the multiversity staff which is you know um wide-ranging globe spanning <laughs> just particularly from english dominant countries but also otherwise <laughs> and um and varied in our in our um, reading tastes we weigh in on the best of the year and um we I, this is a little premature and, and sorry to jump the gun on this um but we start to assemble those pieces now so that they can be out um, in the middle of next month, in the middle of December, when we really do start to hail the the beginning of the end, <laughs> the, uh, the the turning of the year, and um, and so um, I've had a chance then to to think about the year, and of course le- this year and last were very scattered years as far as my culture and comics consumption. In some ways, I read and watched and so on, uh, listened more than usual and in some ways in ways that were um, disrupted very much by the unusual course of things in our world and so I um, was sort of trying to wrap my mind around all of these shifting um, routines uh, uh, that you know and I think the shifting like there's so much looking back at what came out in January and being like wait was that this year you know, like I felt like a world away and a million years ago, and certainly lots of things have happened um, in life. Uh, so, yeah. So the um, you know some of my favorites that I got to to, to think about um, things that really hit me and stuck. Um, I talked on this podcast about Jalia by Juni Ba from TKO. Uh, that was a favorite graphic novel. TKO 
um, a publisher, I don't, although I don't think I weighed in too much on the publishers, and Juni Ba as a creator, really one of the breakthrough creators for me of the year. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, I think in January, um, Ba's anthology sort of series, miniseries from Image called Monkey Meat is coming out. Um, can't wait for that. Uh, another thing that's really stuck with me this year is Lee Lies Stone Fruit, which I wrote about at Multiversity, reviewed, um, but a graphic novel. I think it's from Drawing Quarterly. Um, that's one that has really stuck with me. I, I, I read so much, uh, sometimes things are in one eye and out the other. Um, but Stone Fruit has just sort of persisted as a representation of fraught relationships in a time when many relationships are fraught. And, and you know, about the need for a kind of... Um, freedom in in the ways that we interact with the world that uh you know this last year has really strongly impressed on me as well um i i you know weighed in on some of my favorite manga and mangaka and uh one thing is i i really need to catch up on other great manga recently um i need to listen to that manga explaining podcast too um the multiversity manga club does a good job too of exposing me to a lot of things that are out there but i ended up um uh, getting to write about and, and excited, being excited about Naoki, uh, Naoki Urasawa's Aisadora, which I talked about in a previous episode of this podcast as well. So no spoilers about all of these. None of this is meant to be spoilers about what happens in those end of year review things. Um, but just some of the things that in my own, in my own weighing in, in my own, um, behind the scenes process before the envelope is opened at the TD Price Waterhouse, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's made me also in, in thinking about Urasawa as really probably my, my favorite, um, mangaka wanting to just, um, reread, catch up, uh, get some perspective on Urasawa's entire oeuvre. So thinking about 20th century boys and Pluto and, and, and really the reading experiences I had with those, but not thinking about them in terms of how they land for me and at whatever time in my life I read them, but and how they land in, in, um, in relation to each other, in relation to um, comics as a whole and what's going on in the world. Just would love to do a retrospective on Urasawa, maybe accompanied with something that I could read. Um, because I've been reading uh, all the Marvels, Doug Wolk's book on... Um, reading all the Marvel <laughs> continuity from beginning to end, uh, everything that's out there. And that's been a lot of fun. And it's made me have an, gain an appreciation for histories that can simultaneously um, consider the, um, you know, diegetic uh, process, uh, processes of story, as well as the, you know, the kind of what's happening in the world at the moment, how creators are winking or speaking or, or reacting to, um, you know, social and political events, and just that whole way of reading across time, um, a segment of comics work. I'd love to do that. Um, <laughs> I think I tried, but it's just, I always get waylaid and distracted by other, other temptations. Um, so, um, yeah. So those are some things that are kind of in my reading docket and my mind, as well as things that have been kind of um, set off by thinking about the year in review. Um, and, and, um, and that brings me to, um, Grass of Parnassus. Um, Grass of Parnassus is by Catherine and Stuart Immonen. Um, holding it in my hands now. Um, it's the hundredth book published by Ad House, which, um, has been the publisher of some of my favorite 
graphic novels of the last decade or, or so. Um, and it's also one of the last. Um, Ed House, uh, you know, uh, Pitzer and Company announced that they would not be continuing to publish. I think they would get a few things, last things out, um, but which is sad. Um, but I think they're moving on to, to hopefully better things. Um, Grass of Parnassus um, is a project that the Imminents uh, first published on Instagram, I want to say. And I think they published it using the Instagram format and bringing their so amazing, so, so amazing art and sort of crazy story ideas too. Now, if you read it and you're expecting kind of a straightforward narrative, it'll be probably disorienting and maybe disappointing. If you take, um, I think because um, Eminence's, um, you know, production values say to sort of shout to you like organized <laughs> story, you know, like this is going to be like a, a sort of typical uh, expected kind of space sci-fi story. But um, if you look at the cover of this beautifully sort of produced, um, beautifully put together, beautifully designed volume, which is in this huge slipcase and is kind of a wide format to go with the sort of comic strip-like, um, enlarged comic strip-like format of these Instagram squares <laughs> collected into a book. Um, if you if you if you look at the production value, this is like. Um, you know, kind of expect, you have this expectation of this carefully planned and produced story. Um, and in, but, but take in the cover, take in the chaos, and expect the chaos, and then go with it. Because as much as it's about a ship that's kind of, um, you know, out in outer space with all kinds of very varied <laughs> inhabitants and things going on with them, uh, something goes wrong, uh, everybody reacts... Um, I don't think it's trying to do plot so much as it's trying to do um, little snippets and vignettes that can live together or are bound together, um, not by huge threads of story, but just by kind of coexisting in this in this in space <laughs> and in these different spaces. Take it in for that. Take it in for how the tiny interactions become these um, little observations of relationships and um, and with a kind of you know, lightness and fun of anything can happen here um, between these colorful characters, these bears in spacesuits, or, <laughs> you know, these old and young people in um, crazy outfits, um, really out there on a, on a rock or a boat or on a planet or who the heck knows on a spaceship. Um, and then taking the fact that really like a third, full, like third quarter of this book is just really cool supplementary process material where you can see these sketches and notes and all this kind of stuff. And you're really seeing, like I was talking about before with these substacks, the, uh, insides of the imminence, um, uh, free association or, or very like playful or very like much, uh, studious observations, um, uh, carefully scripted, um, <laughs> you know, takes a little imp imp improvisational almost, but except that nothing this creatively, um, you know, uh, realized can be altogether improvised. You know, it's a, it's a lot of process stuff. Uh, take it as that. And it's just a treat, a delight. 
and these two, you know, Russian Olive to Red King creators um, and, and artists of so many, you know, great grand things at, at Marvel and, and, and so on, um, are giving us just this creative explosion. That's really what uh, Grass of Parnassus is. Um, as they say, that it really came, started with a title, <laughs> sort of, like a vague notion of an idea, and then they just let their imaginations run with it. That kind of freedom, not to be overly pegged to, you know, a narrative that can be adapted into a movie or something, is um, so fun. It's just really rare and uh, really awesome. Um <laughs> As they write, Grass of Parnassus started out like so many of our other projects. Just a vague notion that we'd like to, quote, do something. Stuart was fond of the words, Grass of Parnassus. I couldn't see it as anything other than the name of a spaceship. We're in the middle of what ultimately turned out to be three road crossings of the great state of Kanakistan. And we'd been overwhelmed by the strangeness of both landscapes and people. And it just felt like we had to put, it, put all that somewhere. That's how Catherine Friend, uh, Catherine Imminent <laughs> begins the sort of um, introduction to the back matter. All right, check out Grass of Parnassus if you haven't. Hey, here's what I'd like to do, if you're willing. On the survey that I'm going to send with this episode, I would like to mail one of you by a random drawing a copy of Grass of Parnassus. Um, I, um, like I said, just very you know, very much value your listenership. Um, the last thing that comic syllabus is trying to do. So I've just a review polybagged latest comics that are out infinite unlimited DC and Marvel and comicsology unlimited stuff. Archival revival talking about collections, um, Sunday Substack comics rack talking about Substack and watching comics there. Um, general overviews of what's going on in the industry um, graphic novels uh, like Grass of Parnassus and reviewing those. Uh, and then the two other segments that I haven't talked about are um, comics in the classroom, thinking about teaching comics, learning about how to create comics, learning from comics, using comic comics in education or in literacy studies. Um, and then the long read, uh, which I was a project I uh, started in the fall and gave up. <laughs> It dropped because I uh, was not getting any sort of response to it. Um, investing a ton of time into reading and writing and realizing, I don't really know if one Twitter poll should have told me to do all these things. Maybe it was. Maybe you were expecting that and you were disappointed that it didn't continue. And uh, I'm sorry if not. Um, what 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 would serve you? Let me know. And if you fill out that poll and in the optional space for you to Leave an address. Uh, if you leave an address, I promise you I will not do anything with it. I will not add it to a list or, or mail you things, except if you are the winner of a random drawing. And you can just leave me, leave me an email address and I'll ask you for your mailing address. I want to send uh, an extra copy that I got of Grass of Parnassus to one of you as a thanks for doing the survey. So uh, that's a little kicker in there. Thanks for joining me today on the Comic Syllabus. Take care.